We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. It's Friday. You made it to the end of the week. Is Maggie and Perloff. Okay, so we've got a huge, huge weekend for college football. And I'm saying right now, Perloff, that the winner of Tennessee and Georgia, that's the team that's going to win the national championship. I feel strongly that we're watching the two best teams in the country. No disrespect to Ohio State. It might seem like that. No disrespect to Michigan. I feel like these two teams are so different, yet so uniquely present such unique challenges that whoever wins, barring any real catastrophic catastrophic injury, I think they have the inside track. Okay. I, th- I say it's too, too early in the season to think there's so much more football. There's so many obstacles. To me, Tennessee and Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State and Michigan, they're all in the same pool. Mm-hmm. I, and Ohio State... I, on paper, it looks like Ohio State because now they they have the their Ohio State offense with C.J. Stroud. They've never had a defense like this, so it feels like if you're going to pick a team on paper, it would be Ohio State. I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, I think it'd be more fun if it was Tennessee because my gut feeling, had, which has nothing to do with football logic, yeah. is that last year was Georgia's run. This year feels like it's Tennessee's run, and it's a sport of runs. But you know, listen, it's Alabama, Meg. It's well, Alabama. Do you really want Alabama to win this game this weekend to sort of cruise into the SEC title game, win that game, end up in the Final Four? Do you think they can be stopped? Are you confident if Georgia or Tennessee faces a tide again? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I am I am definitely nervous about the tide, but like, and they're great, and I'm not taking anything away from them, but this isn't exactly the tide season I thought we were going to have. You know, there have been some close wins here. Obviously, the loss to Tennessee, but that was a great game. I'm not going to fault them for that. On the road, Tennessee's having a historic season. But, like, I'm not so – I Alabama looks beatable. They're not like a doormat by any stretch, but they they look beatable right now. I hear you. Let's talk about this eight-point spread for a second. Yeah, on the Tennessee-Georgia. Yeah, Tennessee-Georgia. College football spreads are always big, right? Yeah, they're always – (laughs) Eight. Eight does feel disrespectful. I've been looking more and more at this number – Eight is too much, but that's why I wouldn't. I, I honestly would not want to bet this game because of that spread. They're kind of begging you to take the balls here, and I don't want to be in that position where I'm getting suckered in by this line. Well, I think it's funny because both teams can kind of claim to be underdogs here. Yeah. You know, because you have Tennessee, who's the betting underdog, going into Athens as an eight-point underdog, yeah. but then you have Tennessee is also the number one team in the college football playoff rankings, so technically Georgia is kind of an underdog because they're ranked third. Whatever. It's one versus one. I mean... Uh, Georgia is a defending champion. They do not... They cannot seriously claim underdog at home. <laughs> well, I mean, you know coaches will do anything to <laughs> yeah. try to sell that they're underdogs yeah. to yeah, their yeah. team. Uh, can we just do a little Kirby Smart, Stu? Uh, Kirby Smart is not shying away from the importance of this game. You look at all the games, you, you evaluate how people played them, what's been successful. I mean, they're, they're looking at every game on us, and they're saying, okay, where are the explosive plays coming from? And it's probably more different for us to play them because everybody they play has to play them differently because of their offense. But we don't put more stock in one game over another. Pretty interesting there. And I think that basically, like, I think Georgia feels like their defense is so good and good enough that – they're not going to do anything crazy to try to specifically match up here. They're going to play their game, right, which is getting pressure up the middle. They are going to try to keep everything out. Yes, you're looking at me. No, <laughs> easier said than done. No, I, I guess understand. Tennessee, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it's going to be hard for Georgia to establish, you're exactly right, establish their game against Tennessee. If Tennessee starts doing that fast thing, 
Uh, I saw Tennessee gets off a play every, I think, 21 seconds, six fastest in all of Division One, yeah. or whatever it's called, F- FBS. So I think it's going to be hard. How do you establish your own? I guess you have to get a lead. How do you slow it down against a team that's just going to spread it out and run, 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 You run. know the answer to this. Run the the answer is sitting right there. you got to control it on the offensive side. Yeah. Because Tennessee, is like their average scoring drive is like two minutes. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. Yeah. right? They score immediately. So what has to happen is Stetson Bennett and the running backs have to make sure that this run game is managed. They have to just eat clock, eat clock, which is why I'd be tempted also to take the under on this game. Ooh, okay. I know, which is crazy considering yeah, yeah, yeah. Tennessee's averaging 50 points a game. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Uh, <laughs> this offense reminds me, Josh Heupel's offense reminds me so much. Remember Baylor under our Bryles, yeah. how it would just look so different. And the other teams, it wasn't that Baylor's talent was well below some of the teams they would beat. It's just system, system, system. Now, I, I don't know. I'm very curious. When the NFL draft comes around, I think Hennon Hooker could be the number one overall pick. Bell Kuyper came up with his big board this week, and he had him in the as a fifth quarterback. He said maybe he'll sneak in the first round at this point. I, I, am I missing something? He looks like a tall guy. I know he's going to be 25 in January, but he throws a beautiful pass, and it lands in his receiver's hands every time. I don't quite understand why he's not being talked about as a number one overall quite yet. I uh, totally agree with you. And I would say on the flip side, like if I'm a GM, okay, so maybe you're older, maybe you have a bit more of an injury history. That's what I'd be worried about with football. But I want somebody who's a little bit more mature. Like when I'm thinking about what I want my quarterback standing at the one yard line who needs to quarterback sneak or something, I want like a grown dude up there. I want somebody who's, (laughs) I want a 25 year old. I don't want some like 22 year old, you know, no offense. I'm just picking a name out of nowhere. Sam Darnold, you know, wasn't ready for it. Like Sam Darnold was younger than like four guys who were drafted like three years later than him. I, I just, I really, I think Joe Burrow was served. To, I know he got hurt his first yeah, year, I mean, so kind of had a bit of a red shirt, but I think he was served by being a bit older. I don't see that as a negative. Yeah, Not in be, football. That's a really good point because teams want to deliver in the first five years when the quarterback's under the rookie contract. And if your quarterback, like Trey Lance, is the youngest quarterback yeah, in the how NFL. how old? Is he 21? He's 22 right now. Yeah. Justin Fields, I think, is 23. That's a great point that why not go with the older guy? I mean, there's also the one-year wonder aspect of this. Hennon Hooker was not good at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Really didn't do that much last year. He was okay last year, but it's similar to Joe Burrow. But then again, it could be a one-year wonder like Mitchell Trubisky. So, you know, you hear these draft things are so hard to sort out. I love your point about why not an older guy. The other thing, too, is a team might say, well, I don't want a 25-year-old because he's going to get old really fast. If it was a running back, he'd already be at the end of his career. Yeah, Perloff would already be putting him in the nursing home. But since you can't hit a quarterback in today's NFL, they all played at 40. <laughs> yeah, right. So you're going to get 15 years yeah. of a hooker. So the age is absolutely no problem. But one thing I did hear Kuiper say that I do agree with, don't overestimate one game against Georgia. This is not a referendum on where Hendon Hooker should go in the pros. If he does struggle, you would think that you know there's a qualifying factor here. It's Georgia's defense. It's the O-line can't hold up. Do you agree with that or disagree that you can't? Obviously, a big game will show a lot, but I think it'd be a mistake to look at one game and not a body of work of the season and judge them. No, it is a mistake, but I think, so we're always operating with like an an information deficit. Like, we never know, does a guy coming in and has like a broken finger that we just don't know about? 100%. Stuff like that. But just all things being equal, I actually don't mind like weighting certain games over other games. Because, yes, of course you want the full body of work, but I'm curious how somebody performs in on the biggest stage 
you know, mm. cons- like, and you got to, you know, considering that their work ethic is consistent throughout the season, considering that, you know, they, again, are not injured in a game and we just don't know it. Like, I want to see what happens after you win a big game. Do you have a letdown in the next game? Like, but I, I think all that stuff matters. For every quarterback, for every Joe Burrow who wins a title, I give you a Josh Allen and a Justin Herbert. I know. What do you do with Will Levis, who is this wow, he's great a, prospect who just laid a complete egg last week? But he's at Kentucky, so you're immediately going to say, what's the system around him? What are the players around him? It's Kentucky football. I know they're on a bit of an upswing under Stoops, but still, I think you have to weigh all that. No, you I think he's closer to I think he's closer to Josh Allen, who was in Wyoming, lost all his receivers, didn't have big numbers, but people see that size in the arm and they don't care about the big games. Yeah. I mean, I thought the biggest, the, I think the biggest misevaluation that everyone has had, well, besides like Lamar Jackson, obviously, but Patrick Mahomes. Well, Lamar Jackson went 31. He wasn't Tom Brady. No, I know, <laughs> but he wasn't also, he's been an MVP now. He would easily yeah, yeah. be a top three pick. Or I don't number think, one overall. I don't think that's the biggest misevaluation. Tom Brady is obviously the biggest. Well, yes, Tom Brady, I guess, is Dak the biggest. Dak Prescott mis- went in the fourth round. Cousins went in the fourth round. At least Lamar was a first rounder. Who's the other name you said? I thought Mahomes. Mahomes, yeah, yeah. like, well, what, yeah, what, 14? He, he went 10, I believe. Oh, was it 10? But, was that high? I mean, you understand. You saw him at Texas Tech. He would throw, he had 762 yards in a game, but they weren't winning games. And it was really no, hard to tell. Play defense. It was like, really hard to tell. I think because you thought, oh, this is the air raid. This is Cliff and and Mike yeah, Leach and all the, that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson won on the biggest stage, and he fell to twelve. I know. Now listen, <laughs> that's a whole. And now it's that feels like a, a lifetime ago. But, but so it's it's really. I don't think there's any one rule, but I think we are, Maggie and Perloff is a Hendon Hooker show. I think we should call that. That sounds weird when you say it like that. Yeah, we're a Hendon <laughs> Hooker. I don't know the what your TikTok search says. <laughs> <laughs> we're a Hendon Hooker show. We'll blame Samter. Um, um, I think that we are a Hendon Hooker fan club pretending to be a radio show. Yeah, yeah. do not put Hooker fan club <laughs> into our TikTok account. <laughs> That's our new Twitter handle. I the thought Hooker we were an Iron Eagle show. Now we're a Hooker show? Yeah, we're both. We got room for <laughs> everybody. Squad. We're the Moxie Squad. I know. Yeah, we have a lot of names now. Should we be the Hooker Show? That might get us a new audience. <laughs> We're looking for growth well, in some specific areas. The Hooker Show, yes, that, uh, that that'll help us with the algorithm. <laughs> Something I don't know. Hey, I mean, listen, Hugh Freeze is the front runner to get the Auburn. Uh, he'll come on the show. We know that. Yes, oh, he could man. be our patron saint. He could be a weekly. Hendon, of he could be a, a daily, <laughs> weekly guest. Oh. This is terrible, by the way. I did not say that. Edit that out of the podcast. We do want to get Hugh Freeze coming back up on the next? Show. Hugh Freeze from Liberty joins the show. <laughs> yeah, like get it to the coach. It's just a dial tone. <laughs> Whoops, must have butt dialed someone else. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. That was the excuse, wasn't it? I, I think that's our ninth reference to butts and or things related to the butt today. Listen, it's it's. I'll say it's my fault. I'll take responsibility for it. But I was just contributing to the show when we we're talking about niche scandals. Things that rhyme with darts? The darts farting scandal. It's real. It's true. I mean, I didn't make it up. And that was surrounded by the cornhole scandal. And that was the cornhole scandal, which is rocking the cornhole world like nothing else. (laughs) Which transitioned right into the hooker show. (laughs) Right into the hooker show, which is going to skyrocket us to the top. It's like, man, you guys have a lot of followers. Like, yep. (laughs) Yes, we do. They're all disappointed all the time, but they're there. Get here. It's like, why do they talk about football so much? I don't know. Uh, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Coming up, 
We'll talk a little more college football. Our good buddy Andy Staples, college football writer for The Athletic and host of The Andy Staples Show, is going to join us. We're going to talk a little football. We'll talk a little barbecue with Andy, as we always do. Stay tuned. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff right after this. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. And it is always great when we get to talk to our very good friend, Andy Staples, of course, writer for The Athletic and the host of The Andy Staples Show. What a fantastic name that is. It's right to the point. Andy, we had to talk to you this week, and thank you again for joining us. We had to talk with you this week because this is as big a weekend in college football that I remember. Tennessee, Georgia, one versus one in a very unique way. Just like first 30,000-foot view of what this game means. Oh, it's a big one. And I actually think it's more important for Georgia to win it than Tennessee because there's a there's a path that Tennessee loses because they have wins against Alabama and LSU that maybe they could still make it if they don't and some chaos happens. But if Georgia loses this game, they're, they're probably out. You know, they don't have those SEC West crossovers. They're, they have Auburn and Mississippi State, and Mississippi State's okay, but it's not the same thing. So if Tennessee wins this game – it puts them in the position that Georgia was in going into the SEC championship game last year. So if Tennessee, you know, they got, they would still have to beat South Carolina, Missouri and Vanderbilt, but they should be able to do that. If they're sitting there at 12 and zero going into the SEC championship game, they are making the playoff regardless of what happens, unless they get beat like a hundred to nothing. <laughs> so that, that is, is big, but also just kind of how special is this offense? Because we, we haven't seen anybody really shut it down. Uh, it, it didn't look like this against Pittsburgh when they won, won an overtime, but that, you kind of got the feeling they didn't know what they were working with yet, and now they do. And some of the stuff that they're doing, and it's I know it's premature to say this, but it may not be premature after tomorrow, looks a little like 2019 LSU in terms of defenses just not being able to have any answers for it. Like Alabama couldn't do anything. Kentucky has good players and good defensive coaches, and they look stupid. <laughs> against Tennessee. I mean, they, they, they had a linebacker trying to cover Jalen Hyatt and it wasn't because they didn't know what they were doing or it's just that Tennessee's good at moving those guys around and creating mismatches. So if they can do something similar like that to Georgia, I mean, that's, that's the, that's what we're talking about with this offense. Now, maybe the Georgia's defense can just shut them down. We'll see. Given what we've seen recently, I don't think that's the case. I think this game's a shootout. I think Georgia can score on Tennessee's defense. I think Tennessee can score on Georgia's defense. And it's going to be who tips a ball into a defender's hands, who misses a field goal, that that sort of thing. So how does this year's Georgia compare to last year's, missing all those future NFL defensive guys? Defense is still good, but you're saying it's not quite as elite? Yeah, I mean, all of those defensive players will still play in the NFL. Like it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not like they're not going to, they just weren't in those roles before. And the guys who were a lot of the guys who were there last year were very experienced. So you've got some younger guys like Malachi Starks, who's a freshman, who's going to be, you know, probably a first round pick three years from now, or whenever he's eligible for the draft. Jalen Carter is the best interior defensive lineman in next year's draft. So it's not like they don't have talent, but they don't have as much experience talent. They're, they, they don't have the Nicobe Dean. They don't have the, like with Jordan Davis and, and Trayvon Walker, you could just kind of rotate them in and, 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 oh, by the way, you also still have Jalen Carter. Like that was, it was an embarrassment of riches for that defense last year. And so they are just merely really, really, really good this year, as opposed to otherworldly incredible. 
Andy Staples joining us. Of course, he's the host of the Andy Staples Show, is also a college football writer for The Athletic. We're going to do some barbecue-themed things with you in a second, All Andy, right. but we do have to talk about Alabama-LSU. You don't have to. We want to talk about Alabama and LSU because that's an excellent game as well, and just the SEC West showdown that this is. What do you think right now about Alabama's college football playoff and national title hopes? I mean, they're they're still very much in control of them. They went out, they're in the playoff. If they can make the playoff, they can beat anybody in the playoff. I mean, talent-wise, it's not an issue. They lost by three points to a team that may have, I just got through saying, potentially a historically good offense. So I do think that the demise of Alabama has been been greatly exaggerated here. That said, LSU came in there and played them tough last year. They already fired their coach. It's a lot of the same players. This is not as good of a matchup for Alabama as some of the, like Mississippi State, you knew after the Tennessee game, Mississippi State's not going to beat Alabama. Alabama will dominate <laughs> them because it's just one of those styles make fights things. LSU should be able to put up a fight. The question is, has LSU progressed enough offensively to actually score enough to win this game? And I'm not sure because we've seen them improve against Florida and against Ole Miss. Neither one of those defenses should give you a crazy amount of confidence in an offense that plays well against them. But I will say, Jane Daniels is a transfer quarterback. Mike Denbrock is the new OC who came in with Brian Kelly as the head coach. All these LSU players who were there before, they were all learning each other. All of these people were learning each other. And it may be that having some success finally has allowed them to figure out, here's how we work best together. That said, Alabama's defense will be significantly better than Florida's and Ole Miss's. So Jaden Daniels will have had to improve quite a bit from what we saw against Tennessee for them to be competitive in this game. All right, Andy, we've talked about Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama. Is there a non-SEC team that is as good or better than those three teams? Can anyone take the SEC down this year? Ohio State. Ohio State may be the best team in the country. They're probably the most complete. Uh, the the defense is is drastically improved from last year, and the offense was always great. I mean, best maybe the best receiving core in the country, and Jackson Smith and Jigba has barely played, and he came into the season as possibly the best receiver in the country. So, you know, you think about all that they have and all that they can throw at you. I would put them up against any of the elite SEC teams. I think that would be a great game if if they're playing Georgia, if they're playing Tennessee, if they're playing Alabama. Andy Staples is our guest. He's the host of the Andy Staples Show. He's also a college football writer for The Athletic. All right, can I get to the barbecue game now, Perloff? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Andy, you're as known uh, and as revered as much for your college football analysis as for your food reviews and your takes on food. They are second to none. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to give you a couple things. You tell me which barbecue food or you can expand mm-hmm. this out and get creative sure what food you think they would like compare to uh, right okay you've done this right. before i know you gotcha. have okay yep. when you found out that tcu was ranked seventh in the college football playoff ranking that what would that equate to in terms of a food mm. item um that would equate to a nice we'll, we'll just go with a, a nice sliced brisket sandwich not not <laughs> outstanding not terrible just <laughs> not controversial what you, need, what you need at lunch not to me <laughs> and they're in the big 12 look if they win every game they're gonna be in the playoff if they go 12 Whoa. and one and they win the big 12 title they might be in the playoff wait 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 
Are you sure? What I mean, you got yes. two SEC, Michigan, sure. Ohio State, if and Cle- goes what thirteen and zero. What if about TCU, if TCU goes thirteen and zero? They will be in the playoff. I will bet you anything in the world. I'll bet you a brisket sandwich. To start. <laughs> but wait, what, I'll bet you lots of brisket sandwiches. So, assuming you had Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, two of those, Michigan, Ohio State, and what if Clemson mm-hmm. goes undefeated? TCU would be in over Clemson. Whoa! Whoa. Oh, brisket sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, TCU, I don't, if, it, if it comes down to undefeated TCU and undefeated Clemson and you're deciding between those two, TCU will have had a much tougher road. Okay, well, my next question was going to be Clemson's title chances. What food item would that equate to? Mm. <laughs> you know that picture of Brooklyn barbecue? The one and that I realized I there out. are there are actually oh, oh, some very like good, that little tray yeah. with like it's two a little, little tray with like two little easily yeah. strips of brisket yeah, yeah, and yeah. like one one roll that somebody got from a gas station yeah uh, and it costs thirty five dollars exactly but now I will say there there's some very good barbecue places in Brooklyn and I've had some very good barbecue in Manhattan as well so I'm not I, I am okay, not you don't one have to say that to pander like, to us Andy <laughs> yeah no no I'm just I'm not one of those people who believes you can only eat good barbecue in the South I think it I've had it everywhere in the country but. That particular photo. Yes, that's that's what that would be. So do you really believe that Clemson could beat any team that we think can make the playoff? Do I? Uh, I do yeah. not. Not not in football, not this year. Not in football. <laughs> exactly. That's the problem. Well, wait, wait. Can we make a, can chess, we make a slight, make a slight alteration? Who's my quarterback at Clemson? Because I believe in sort of the Tua, Trevor Lawrence, freshman Klubnick quarterback. Tua, yeah. Kate Klubnick. Kate Klubnick, the truth. Did you see him come? Did you see him coming against Syracuse? Yes, Syracuse is so good on defense, Andy. So good. no, they're not. They no, have and not. they have dinosaur barbecues from Syracuse. They <laughs> know that's dinosaur barbecue. Exactly. See, good barbecue outside the south. Uh, they so, also have possibilities. So, uh, <laughs> no. In all seriousness, you know, Clemson obviously has some pro talent. They have Brzee on the line. You don't give oh, them the, a chance. The, the line at Clemson's elite. The yeah. D line is elite, but nothing else is, and that's the problem. So they're like a really, really moist, good brisket with no side. Actually, no, they're like a good side. Like they're okra. No, moist, good brisket. Right. They're, right. they're good they're side okra without, without the brisket. Good meat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The vegetarian special, right? All the sides, none of the meat in the middle. Okay. Well, hey, listen, if you're at a at a meat and three in the South, which would be, you know, you get the, your meat and three vegetables, you can do the vegetable plate, which is four vegetables. Sometimes that is the way to go. Because, well, also because there's as much meat in the vegetables. Right. right. I say the there's bacon the in the vegetables. That doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, okay, a couple more for you, Andy. Brian Kelly's first season with LSU so far is what? Uh, what food equivalent would you give that? Uh, I'd say it's a. That's a nice pulled pork sandwich. Mm. It's fine. <laughs> it's it, it, you know, you, you probably maybe you got to put a little sauce on it because it's a little dry, <laughs> but it's it's fine because the roster was not up to LSU standards. There was some mm. high top end talent when he took over, but there were holes in that roster that you don't normally see at LSU. Like they didn't have a great secondary, didn't have a great backfield. And normally those are not problems at LSU, but you look at two very good freshman tackles that are playing great this year. Uh, they'll get Mason Smith back next year. The, the D lineman who got hurt in the season opener. I think the future is pretty bright there. Mm. I, he's won everywhere he's been. They've improved as the season's gone on. Obviously, if they were to win Saturday, very different scenario because they're still in the hunt for the SEC title, still in the hunt for the playoff. 
Uh, it's funny because everybody's like, I saw the committee was positioning LSU to make the playoff <laughs> as a two-loss team. If they were, No, if LSU wins the SEC, which means they've won every other game they've played, they will make it as a two-loss team, same as Auburn would have made it as a two-loss SEC champ in 2017, but they lost to Georgia in the title game. Andy, I'm a little disappointed. You don't have a New Orleans or Louisiana-based food to compare Brian <laughs> Kelly to. I know how excited you get about New Orleans, but but I'm I'm I do, and and but I got to come up with a mediocre one, a bland one. Yeah, everything in New Orleans is good. You can't do etouffee or that's that's the problem. Yeah, you yeah. can't you can't waste etouffee on that. Like you can't you can't waste uh, uh, redfish atchafalaya on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. po' boy from the airport maybe. Yeah, Okay, last one for you, Andy. And this is uh, our food theme college football game. Uh, Deion Sanders rumors to Auburn as a food. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> uh, well, I would say that's that's probably that that ribeye cooked in bacon fat at Acre in Auburn. Ooh. Uh, that's a juicy rumor right there. <laughs> uh, I I don't necessarily see it happening because I can't imagine the kind of puppet masters at Auburn who like to be in control of things and, and have sway over the football coach, like Dion's not going to listen to them. And so I don't think they're going to hire him. Now I, I can't imagine them trying to go after Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, but I also can imagine Lane going, you know what? I win lots of games at Ole Miss and it's not that different a job. And Ole Miss will just give me another million bucks if I tell them Auburn's interested. So I, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Auburn does this search because I do think there there are coaches that maybe we're not thinking about right now who'd want to get involved because this is a job you can compete for the national title at. They they won the national title in 2010, played for it in 2013, won the SEC West in 2017. So we're not talking about ancient history here. They could flip things as fast as Tennessee has flipped mm. things under Josh Heupel. They just got to make the right hire. But given the dysfunction that's happened, the question is who who wants it. But also, new president, now a new AD. They just hired John Cohen from Mississippi State. It's possible that that Chris Roberts and John Cohen, Chris Roberts is the president, that they put forth kind of a, an aura that says, hey, look, we're finally aligned. This is not going to be like what you saw with Brian Harson or what you saw at the end of the Gus Malzahn era. This is going to be top-down administration, has your back, let's go. If they can project that over the next month or two, they might be able to land somebody that I'm that we're not even thinking of right mm. now. It's like, whoa, how'd they get them? I, and I've learned I learned after last year, like, don't discount anything because if you'd have told me this time last year, Lincoln Riley's going to USC uh-huh. and Brian Kelly's going to LSU, I'm like, you are insane. Andy, are you talking about Urban Meyer here? Nope. Okay. Ooh. I don't think Urban would do well in today's college football. Today's college football with the the way you can transfer without sitting out and the NIL stuff. It's much more similar to the NFL in terms of how you manage players. He didn't do very well at that in the NFL. <laughs> That's an understatement. And it, and yeah. it's and it's a drastic difference between and, and I realize it hasn't been that long, but it's drastically different now than it was even three four years ago in college, where you could be like you can still be a hard ass coach in college, but you cannot be the kind of coach who says, "Well, I'll send you on the next bus out of here," because you know what the players gonna say. Dude, I had like 80 scholarship offers. I'll be happy to take another one. Uh, wait, uh, Dion, do you expect him to take a different job within a year or two? I don't. I, I I would think so. I think some Power 5 school is going to go for him. The, the one I think should be begging him to come is Arizona State hmm. because he's going to be able to get great players there. And at Arizona State, if you can get 
a roster that's better than most of the teams you play, they, you're winning eight, nine games a year. Like at Auburn, you're still going to need to be able to outcoach some of those guys. And, it, you know, it would depend on who Dion hires as a staff. Obviously, he's not as experienced as a head coach. You'd have to hire a really great staff at a place like Auburn. I the, I actually think if, if Lane were to go to to Auburn, maybe you look at Dion and Ole Miss, too, if that if that were to open up. But yeah, that it's it's like Arizona State, you go just just stockpile players. If you hire a good staff, you can win that league. Andy, can't tell you how much we appreciate this. We know this is busy. We've got a huge weekend coming up and really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Oh, I love you guys. I am so happy for you. And this, it just, just seeing you guys <laughs> in all your splendor. And I watch you guys on TV while I'm on the radio. It's, it's the most meta <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. We're taking over it. Andy. This is, this is the world domination. These are our plans. Uh, thank you so much. Have a great show and enjoy the weekend. Thanks guys. Thanks, Appreciate Andy. that. Andy Staples, of course, the host of the Andy Staples Show, and he is a writer for The Athletic covering college football. More Maggie and Perloff right after this. It's time to answer our Ask the Pros question of the day. It's brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Today's question comes from George in Colorado Springs. You guys talk a lot about scandals. Have you seen the one with the Colorado River Toad? What? All right. Don't forget, you can submit a question by going to cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros or tweeting it at cbssportsradio using the hashtag askthepros. Okay, so we had to do a little research on this one because we had no idea what George was talking about. But the Colorado River Toad, Perloff, is also known as the Sonoran Desert Toad. <laughs> uh, the genus and species is Bufo alvarius. It's oh. one of the largest. Yeah, that, no, there now you, you know. Right. One of the largest toads in North America. The National Park Service apparently has just put out a reminder yet again and a warning yet again to the public that if you lick these toads, you are going to get sick. Now, some reports say that the substance in the toads toxins when crystallized is a Schedule 1 drug and can get people high. But again, the Park Service is warning people, the Ooh. National Park Service Please stop licking the yeah. toads, you losers. Losers. They, they didn't say that. I said that. <laughs> I'm going to totally disagree. You think licking toads is cool? Totally. <laughs> I mean, if you saw a guy who was getting high by licking toads, <laughs> that guy is someone you want to party that with. That is someone I run away You, you want to party with that guy uh, because that is somebody who has no hold barred, is ready to get down. <laughs> That's exactly why I am turning the other way and running as fast as I can in the opposite direction. Is that direction. any weirder than people who huff chemicals or do also, or even okay. take card drugs? So, I mean, this is an organic, natural drug. I think even Aaron Rodgers could be in this. <laughs> That's his next thing? Yeah, it's I mean, this licking. is, this is uh, a, a close cousin of ayahuasca. <laughs> so here's why it's different from all the other things you just said is because this is an amphibian that measures seven inches and you have to catch it first. Yeah. No, that's I think that's not like your normal, you know, not that we're endorsing anything, but that's not your run of the mill sort of drugs. That sounds so much more natural and organic than <laughs> than yeah, other that, drugs. Whatever. Yeah, honestly, and you can't really become addicted to frogs, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think they're putting out the announcement again? I get well, maybe that our people are getting addicted. Yeah. What happens when you're addicted? Right? Do you hop around the park? You're like, <laughs> oh man, he's into the frogs big time. Um, you can tell he's all hopped up on frog toxins. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The park officials say, please refrain from licking anything you come across, whether yeah. it be a banana slug, an unfamiliar mushroom, or a large toad with glowing <laughs> eyes in the dead of night.
Oh, it looks oh, really creepy. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> when they caught no. it on the night cam, it was, I mean, to be this serious, Kermit. this is a serious issue. And we just want to say everyone out there, be careful about which frogs you lick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't go yes. around licking. This is licking a Maggie frogs. and Perloff PSA. <laughs> hey, this is listen, the hooker show. So listen, it kind of works out. Things are sports is cool, but you know, it's not cool. Licking toads, yeah. you know. Yeah. You just look straight into the camera, dead eye. Yeah, just because your friends are licking toads, <laughs> just snort again. Again, yeah. Just so because your friends show. are licking toads doesn't mean you have to lick that toad. This is like the end of Say by the Bell when they had the drug yeah. episode, and all of a sudden Brendan Tartikoff, the head. I'm Brendan Tartikoff, yeah. the head of NBC. You know, there's no hope with dope. Just say no to toads. <laughs> <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah, uh, print the shirts. By the way. Let's be real. If your friends are licking toads, you got to try it. I mean, you can't just <laughs> no, not try it. No, I mean, just your once. You, so you your friends are friends. all. Your friends are having the time of their lives licking toads. You're not going to lick it once, man. <laughs> no, I'm the designated driver. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's out there toad licking. Man, how about that? It's like this is your brain. On this t- is your brain on toads. <laughs> any questions? Uh, man, did any of those PSAs work? Uh, anyway, we should get to... By the way, and yes. it's just a matter of time before the government legalizes toads. <laughs> Once they find out there's tax revenue in it. <laughs> Colorado already voted it in. <laughs> it's a it line the, around the corner to lick toads. It's a cash-only yeah. business in Colorado. It is the Colorado River toad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once they, They've been doing once this for years. the government years. figures how to get their hand in there. <laughs> You're going to regulate it. Yeah, yeah they're going to re- regulate it. It's better. regulate Big Toad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's better for everybody if the government is regulating yeah, the Toad. Yeah, it takes liquor. it off the streets or yeah, all, yeah, out yeah, of the yeah, parks yeah. and into yeah. the pet shops. I, I mean, don't, don't you want it to be in the parks? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I don't know what's in, better. Remember the Toad Wars of 2019 <laughs> when there were all those... Uh, what are, now it's getting weird. Okay, <laughs> let's get move on to Now it's getting weird. Let's move yeah. on to something else that is now... Yeah, that was the line we crossed. Yeah, let's get on to something a little more healthy for the kids. Sports gambling. (laughs) Let's make our picks (laughs) for Week Nine in the NFL. (laughs) Let's do it. All All right, right. Maggie and Perloff style. Uh, We do one pick against the spread, one pick over and under, over under, and one player prop. Samter, what do you got as terms of our records? So Maggie is on fire. She has won. She is uh, eight and one in her last nine picks over the last three weeks. She is 16 and 8 overall. Perloff was 2 and 1 last week. That's the best I can say about him. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Perloff getting off the schneid this week. Uh, would you like to go first, sir? How about our against the spread? I was 2 and 1 last week. <laughs> yeah, no. Go ahead. Um, well, he didn't name the weeks before. Am I allowed to do Monday night? Of course. Oh, I'm on fire on Twitter, by the way. I had another winning week. Okay. Look at you. Uh, I'm going to do Ravens, our two and a half point favorites over the Saints mm. in New Orleans. And you guys know why I'm doing this. Is this is a reverse jinx on no, no. for Andy Dalton? No, I love Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton cannot oh, win at night. Right. I can't believe this is two and a half point spread. <laughs> I know the Saints are playing really well. They shut out the Raiders. But the nighttime jinx, I've been following it for years. It's bizarre. Yeah. And it's real. Is it because he doesn't get a nap or something? Like, what's the situation? He's always been on. It's not just Andy. It's the whole team usually implodes around him. And the Saints are always a step away from totally imploding. Because you never know who's going to show up and actually play. That's true. I don't know what it is. Remember the the last game they played against the Cardinals was the one of the wildest games. Uh, you know, and Andy had good moments and pick sixes. So I, I like the Ravens in that one, despite the Rashad Bateman injury. Okay. 
Yeah. It's not really that big a deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> huge uh, news. Huge. Huge news. Yeah. Uh, for me, against the spread, I'm actually going to go with the Packers. I'm going to lay the three and a half against Detroit, even though that game is on the road. I, I just can't imagine that the Packers are going to lose five in a row. I can't imagine it. And I just do not think that the Detroit Lions are going to be able to stop the run game. I think the Packers are going to control this game. I'm not someone who was handing out flowers to the Packers because they only lost by 10 in Buffalo. But I do agree that things did look better once they committed to running the football. That was obvious to see. I think they're going to do that here. Give me the Packers. I'll lay the three and a half. Love it. My over-under. Over-under. Go ahead. Dolphins at Bears. Now, the Bears, beginning part of the season, were all defense. Then last week, it just had an explosion with Dallas. I don't know what it is. I just want part of that Justin Fields hype train. Everyone's all of a sudden into Justin Fields. Tua pushing the pace all game long. Justin Fields running for touchdowns. I'm going over 45 and a half Dolphins Bears. Partly rooting for this because that'll be really fun. Yeah. I can't wait. I hope both quarterbacks have a good game because both of them are trending in the right direction. Okay, for my over-under, I love unders this year. This game is in prime time Sunday night, Titans-Chiefs. I'm going to go under 46 in this game. I think that the Titans, we know what they're going to do. We obviously know. They're going to control the ball. They're going to control the game with Derrick Henry. As long as he's healthy throughout the course of the game, knock on wood, that's the one thing when you go up against good quarterbacks, keeping him off the field. It's really the only you know, recourse you have to try to slow down the Chiefs offense. You're not going to be able to do it, so try to keep them off the field. I think this is going to slow the game down. I'm going to take the under 46 for Sunday Night Football Titans at Chiefs. I got to be honest, these two numbers confuse me. It's a 12 and a half point spread for Kansas City. How are they going to win by 13 points and keep it under, under 46? 46? See, I don't. I think that spreads off, though. Yeah, I, I do, too. I think the Titans really match up well. It is in Casey, so I get that. Yeah. Okay, my player prop, I'm going under Sam Ellinger, 199 and a half yards against the Patriots in New England. That's a good bet. I mean, come on. We know yeah. what Bill Belichick yep, yep, does to yep. young quarterbacks, and that's young, good quarterbacks. Ellinger's unproven. He was okay last week. Uh, it feels too obvious almost. I feel like it's, it's so, almost. It's so good. It's so obvious, right? <laughs> Doesn't it make you nervous, man? Because we've been watching Belichick for so long. Just confuse rookie quarterbacks. Or he's not a rookie, but a uh, young Kinda. quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Inexperienced quarterbacks. Yeah. Okay, what do you got? Okay, for me, I'm actually going to go with someone from Stu's Raiders. Again, expecting some bounce back from last week. I mean, the offense can't get shut out again, right? So I'm going to go Devontae Adams over six and a half receptions against Jacksonville. I think that the Raiders have to make a point here. I know I lost on the Josh Jacobs uh, over carries because they got <laughs> down by so much. I keep, I keep going back to the Raiders. They burned me a little bit. But in terms of, you know... The corners for Jacksonville, like, I, I don't know. I think that I think that Devontae Adams is going to be able to have a day, and I think they're going to almost force the ball to Adams because you can't get shut out just after you trade for one of the best receivers in football, yeah. and he gets one reception. Was he okay, though? What's the deal? I know he practiced he again. He had a flu. Yeah, like he's under the weather, but yeah. he practiced like, pretty much all this week. Okay. So there, that's my player prop. Devontae Adams over six and a half receptions, and those are the Maggie and Perloff. NFL picks for week nine. Quickly, we have to do our I Got Five on yeah. it, which we do uh, for college football, kind of jamming all this stuff in, so sorry about that. Uh, Perloff and I bet an underdog in college football. We put $5 on it on DraftKings, of course. Did I not mention that? DraftKings uh, Sportsbook. And it's not against the spread. Yeah. This is just straight up, Perloff. Straight up. Who's going to pull Wait, the you, upset? You go first. Okay, for me, I'm going to pick Kansas State is going to upset Texas. 
Kansas State at home, they're catching two and a half points. I know this isn't exactly a huge but one. I don't even understand how is Texas favored in this game. Kansas State looked amazing last week. I don't know. They beat Oklahoma State 48 to nothing, and somehow yeah. they're an underdog in this game. I have no idea. It didn't look weird. It didn't look right to me. The one thing that's a question mark, and I don't know if news has come out in the last like five minutes, but Adrian Martinez or Will Howard, they have not said yet mm. who is going to start a quarterback. Personally, I hope it's Will Howard. They can throw the ball a little bit. Ooh, I don't know. Adrian Martinez looked good this year. Okay. Uh, I am going to go with... Hit the music, Stu. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish to cause havoc in the college football rankings and knock off Clemson. The game's in South Bend. Clemson has obviously been somewhat shaky. I think the dream ends. Marcus Freeman finally gets his signature win. Stuart Kovacs' Notre Dame Fighting Irish (laughs) get the W. I like it. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's I mean, possible, right? Yeah, they went up to Syracuse. They took care of business there in the Carrier Dome. Now they're home, feeling confident. Clemson, what's going to go on with the quarterback situation? Are you going to get see both quarterbacks like we yep. did? Um, this is cool. Yeah, and Clemson I mean, played Syracuse. Before. Honestly, I'm a, I'm also a Clemson fan. I think there's a lot of reasons, a lot of good dudes on Clemson. Uh, DJU, I hope he plays. He seems like a really nice guy. I feel it's not fair that he gets jerked back and forth like this, but I don't think the team's great. So. The one thing about when you said you're rooting for Max Chaos. Totally. That would, that would that Max would, Chaos would mean Clemson wins out. I know, but actually undefeated I, I personally think undefeated Clemson is a no brainer in the final four. Got it. So we need teams with the same amount of losses to knock each other out. Okay. Well <laughs> we need someone to get their feelings hurt like I'm always hurt. <laughs> yes. Like my Phillies are gonna be hurt this weekend. <laughs> I know. We're all broken up for you. Um, Okay. Thank you to Mike Samter, Stu Kovacs, Marlo Donahue, everyone on the radio and TV side. You guys do such an amazing job each and every day. We appreciate it. We will see you on Monday, everyone. Have a good weekend. Yep.